that material I sent you that it, it's like on a shared doc. Oh yeah, because I saw that you you entered the document when I was in the document. I felt like we were close. It was like almost like we were there in the same room reading it together, but we were still thousands of miles apart. Uh, well, then I thought I'm wondering like if I highlight stuff, is that highlighting at your end? I think so. I think that's how it works because copy. all the all the yellow highlights on there. You did you highlight all that stuff on the document? Yeah. Okay. Well, then I saw the highlights. I copied and pasted a few a few lines down that I really liked that I wanted to reference back to, and um, so I'm excited to hop into that. I'm excited to hop into the topic for the day. Little teaser, guys, listening at home. We're going to be talking about the act of withstanding from nutritional goodness. Food comes in many forms. Hamburger, taco form. Comes in circles, squares, triangles if you get pizza. Uh, crescent moon shapes if you get like um, a calzone. So there's many types of things that can be withstained from. Um, but before we yeah, hop I into like that. Calzone, what you do? Yeah, oh, I love calzones. Ooh, I, gotta, I, I don't get them very often, but they are real. Man, I, I love them. You know, calzone is one of those things where calzones are kind of like Cheetos for me, which is super strange. And But, like, every time I've had one, I have loved it. But then, like, when I'm standing in a pizza place and I have the option in front of me, I've had the option to buy a calzone before, and then I've just chosen to get just a straight-up regular pizza. And same yeah. with Cheetos. If you give me an assortment box of chips... I'm going to go, Cheetos will be one of the last ones I reach to, or at least they would be. I think they maybe have started to take a turn for me where I'm starting to realize, hey, I like these more than I thought I did. Because um, they're up there. Where, what, would you, what would you put as your favorite chip? My favorite chip? Favorite chip. I don't know. That's kind of tough. I I mean, I like those one tortilla chips that, you know, we would always get. The, the Juanitas? Yeah. See, towards, that's because, a different. If I was gonna go, because you, if you're gonna ask what the favorite chip is, it's got to be broken up into what is your favorite tortilla chip, and then what is your favorite non-tortilla chip, potato chip. I think yeah. is what they're called. Um, if I did regular potato chip, it's you know, it's the Lay's um, uh, sour cream and onion. Mm. Mm. But with the tortilla chips, it's it's the Juanitas. But it's only like, but for me, that's like, they're the vehicle for the salsa. That's mm. all they mm-hmm. are. But certain ones are a better vehicle than others. Well, that's why for me, when it comes to tortilla chips, I have been a fan of the Juanitas are, are good. They're a little bit like oily at times, so it feels yes. like I can only eat so many before I'm like, wow, this is. You like- never never eat the bottom of the bag. No, 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 no. You have to just toss it because it's just, it's so, yeah. yeah. I think that I typically go Tostino's scoops if I'm really trying to spoil myself. Because the scoop, it just, it's a little like cup that can just hold, especially if I'm eating a really good salsa. Sometimes the salsa isn't warranted, the full scoop. You just kind of want to dunk it in and out real fast because you just want a light coating. But if you're eating like a bean dip, or a corn-based salsa, because I'm a really big fan of corn. Um, then I'm going to go with the Tostino Scoop. Same with, like, if we're eating, like, uh, Velveeta, like some kind of nacho cheese or whatever. The Scoop is super nice. And then for more regular tortilla, 
I like the rounds, and I, I don't remember the brand. I think it's the one with Del, Del something, or I don't. They're in our kitchen right now. They're just they're really good. The circular round. But I chips. can't think of I can't think of a salsa that I've ever just dunked. Mm. I I I I you have to just eat it in scoops. I don't know why. I feel like. Mm. But that's because I choose it, right? I mean, I I pick the the one the I one want. That you want. It's like yeah. I don't, yeah. Well, we've got. I this. like the restaurant style is what I like, but restaurant you know, style the is chunky's great. okay. But are you like a pico? So when you say restaurant style, are you thinking more of a watery kind of one, or more of like a pico de gallo kind of salsa? A little more watery kind. More water, a little more Where water. it's all chopped up, ground up. Yeah, super fine. Yeah. See that's good, but I do really like pico, and I like again I like anything with corn. Corn is the when I go to Chipotle, their corn salsa is really really good. Um, but we have this; it's an avocado salsa, where it's it's almost like you took green tomatoes and blended them up with I mean just avocados because it's kind of like guacamole, but it's a little bit more runny than guacamole yeah. is. But there's still a thickness to it, and it's really good. And I will kind of do, I'll do a little bit of a dunk scoop, but like a little bit goes a long way. So, and it'll just overtake the whole chip. So I can't scoop too much with it, but because you, when you do a dunk, since it's it's still got that thickness to it, it, a lot of it clings to the chip. Where with like more of a, a Mexican restaurant sit down style salsa, you go dip one in and out. You basically have just moistened it, but there's, you don't got any, any of the actual salsa on the chip anymore. Yeah. And that's just soggy. That's all it is. See, I think if it's now, if we're going to potato chip, this is where it really gets tough. I mean, because then also I do like Doritos, but I don't know if I, when I'm thinking, hey, what's your favorite tortilla chip? I'm not going to say Doritos because I'm not typically, or I mean, ever eating Doritos with salsa. Is that something that you've ever done or thought to do? I actually have done that. That sounds good. It's not... It, it depends. It depends on the salsa because I've I've done it twice, and one time it was really good, and the other time not great. But it all depended on the salsa. Huh. And now, what? Which? Which? The you know, question is: you which the, Dorito? You, you it, well, that's the thing. I had the traditional. Okay. okay. And then another time I had, uh, I think it was the ranch. Cool ranch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What 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 made it a better experience? The salsa, the dip itself, and not just the chip difference. Well, both because you've got the flavor on the chip, but then you've got the salsa. Mm-hmm. Some combinations work, some don't. It's like trying mm-hmm. to put hot sauce, any other kind of hot sauce, on a Taco Bell taco. Doesn't taste no, good. No, it doesn't you work. You put at Taco all. Bell hot sauce yeah. on a top yeah. ta- taco. It's great. Yeah, there you but go. But it only works on Taco <laughs> Bell tacos. Because, see, if I was going to do, I know Kaylee's parents, they've made this a few times where they do, like, a crock pot, and it's full of, like, chili, but without any of the beans. It's just, like, the ground beef and whatever the chili sauce is, which I love chili with beans if I'm going to eat chili out of a bowl. But if I'm going to put it on a hot dog or if I'm going to eat it with some chips as a dip, I kind of like the beanless chili. Um, but they did that and it was that mixed with queso whipped up together. And that's one of those ones where I'm like, okay, maybe now I want to really crack out the Doritos for this. Yeah. Cause to mix the cheddar cheese, nacho Doritos, like you really have to, I feel like 
not every tomatoy space salsa is going to blend well with that really hard artificial cheddar taste. But then again, yeah, it works on the Taco Bell taco. But you know, you have with if you do like a chili though, there's there's so much other seasoning in the chili that it doesn't matter what kind of chip you eat yeah. with it. Yeah. That's true. So then I guess if, if I'm gonna then if I'm gonna answer potato, I have a distinct memory. I don't remember much of I mean I remember a handful of things in my youth. And I have two very distinct things that I associate heavily with you. That when I think about them as an as an entity, I only think about you. <laughs> Actually, there's probably three. That is John Wayne movies. Yeah. <laughs> Pringles chips. Yes. And the game Othello. <laughs> all three wonderful things in and on of themselves love them all almost equally i'd say uh but I, when i think i love pringles and i feel like you were the one who really i remember you introducing me to pringles and me just being a big fan pringles are great it because it's the same chip every time <laughs> every single time there's no variety it's like it's kind of a letdown when you reach into the bag and sometimes you get a big chip sometimes a little oh, one yeah. it's like because i get these bags of the tortilla chips perfect. and they're good for like two-thirds of the bag you're getting full chip but then the last yeah. third of the bag is just crumbles so you can't even dip yeah. it into salsa if anything you can kind of like sprinkle it on top of maybe like a taco salad or something like that but You've lost dipability, but the Pringles, they hold up so well. I mean, they're oh, yeah. kind of just like OBS board, where it's just like compacted <laughs> <laughs> like wood chips into a full sheet of wood. Because it's, yeah. it it's, just, it's just potato bits. It's like mashed potatoes pressed into a chip, right? Where would you rank That's Pringles okay. for yourself when it comes to potato chips? Oh, it's up there at the top. Okay. Would you put it... So would you still put it below... The sour cream and onion lays. No, I'd have to put it above that. Okay, even. so sour cream and For onion sure. Pringles then is what you'd say. Yeah, that's. I think that's Matt's favorite chip. I think of all time, and it's a really good choice. I'm a fan of salt and vinegar, regardless of if it's Lay's or Pringles. Both do a great job. And the great thing with the Pringles is you can actually dip them in stuff, and you they can. hold up. Yeah, they hold up really well, really well. I feel like I could build like a structure out of Pringles, but I don't think I could do much with a, a bag of Lay's. And it's the only chip, right? You just pour it out of the container, and you've got a nice stack right in your hand. It's like yeah, see, it's perfect. Although, I mean, this is the obvious complaint that everyone that's ever eaten Pringles has: is it is tough at a certain point to get your hand far down in the can to get the bottom, the bottom of the chips, <laughs> and then you're having to like kind of do that like, like almost like. Real, real vigorous shake, kind of like you're doing a little shaka, a little hang loose to somebody. It's like that, but you're doing it with the can to kind of shake the crumbs and the last chips down to your mouth. But if you just tip no, no, it back, no. you put you put the lid back on, flip it upside down, and then just pull the lid off. So you flip it upside down, and then you flip it back on its side, and then you pull the lid off. Is what you're saying? Yeah, and they're just, and then everything's right there on the cap. That's a good point. That's a good point, I guess. I always thought that I wish that they they did like um kind of like how it was deodorant 
works where it's got a little screw thing at the bottom and it just pushes the base up <laughs> yeah. with the chip so if i could just like wind it and it just moves up the can but that would probably cut their profit margins by quite a bit because there's not much like money that goes into the packaging of pringles a very thin cardboard yeah. cylinder the markup on those things is huge i realized that when we lived in russia because your mom and I found some in a store, and so we bought a container, and it was like I couldn't believe how cheap they were there compared to how expensive they are here, and then I realized how much they could mark them up here. What is – because I have – I've been alive for 23 years, but mentally I haven't really been engaged with much other than just like the game of tag and like getting in trouble because I said something I shouldn't with you guys like as a youth, so – I wasn't paying attention to the world around me. Um, what is the craziest thing you've seen change in price over your lifetime where you're just like, wow, it's so much more expensive than it ever was? Man, I don't know. I mean, I think everything has gone up in price, obviously, since since you were about my age and younger. But is there anything particular oh, yeah. where you're just like, this is like un, like outrageously higher than it used to be? Well, it's kind of hard because, you know, with COVID, it's like so many things went up. Mm, yeah. It's like the cost of, you know, eggs, you name it. It's like stuff like that. You're like, this is just crazy how expensive it's gotten. So I think things like that on every day. I mean, we get folks in the church now who give us eggs. They get chickens. So that's really nice. Mm. But stuff like that's <laughs> really expensive. Gas is kind of like... What there's still times where you know like when we drove down to California the one time in the white van we still had it and we were in Northern California and it was just over five dollars a gallon for gas and I was like that's just nuts Boy. I couldn't believe how much gas was but what is that, it, what is it now, sitting at now in like Washington right now uh, it's like just over three oh wow. Wow, that's crazy. But then you go to but you go to Alabama and it's under it's under three dollars. It's two something. I it's like honestly don't something or whatever. I, I don't look. I didn't even get that the number on the thing was the price because it's like four point eight three two five and I'm like, <laughs> well that can't be a dollar amount because I don't I thought there was only two decimals or two places after the decimal mark. So like I was like, that can't I don't know what that is. Maybe that's like a percentage of quality or something like that. Round up, round down. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I really have no idea how much I'm paying for gas. I kind of gauge it off of how much it costs me to fill my tank. And right now it's not terrible. It's not the worst it's been, but it's not great. That's how a lot of people do. I mean, I would say that there's quite a few people who don't even think about miles per gallon. All they think about is how much it takes to fill up the tank. Like the white van, I mean, it was, you know, 100 bucks easy. But then it's like when gas prices went way up, and it was like, man, this is just, I can't believe it costs that much to try to fill that thing up. Yeah, and then the defeats, like, why would you ever want to drive that unless you absolutely had to? Which is kind of, I guess, why we got rid of it or why you guys. Well, yeah, because now with the way prices were going and gas prices were going up, it's like, and hardly you see them around here anymore. When we first moved here, everyone had one. 
I mean, they just saw him all over the place, but now it's it's really rare that you see him because people can't afford to drive. Yeah, anymore. you don't see many of the twelve pack. I mean, other than just like the the regular standard work vans that people are using for like yeah. plumbing and stuff, you don't see a lot of twelve passengers, and you certainly don't see a fifteen passenger like the one we had. No, most people gone to the minivans, and a lot of times you you have people now who would have had the one vehicle or doing two two vehicles just to save on gas mm. i don't know how that works out though when you start driving around two cars to tote everybody around in but i had a i had a while we're still kind of on food which is a great if i'm being honest this is a great lead topic into our main topic you know we're talking food yeah. the whole episode um i had another question <laughs> that i've been meaning to bring up and now this is a conversation that I know you are, well, actually, I don't know that you're unaware that we had. But I don't know, it was probably a week or two ago, I had a dream. A dream in which I came home to visit. And I only remember a few key moments from the dream. And <clears throat> one of the main ones was having a conversation with you about the fact that we both agreed that we like spam more then we like bacon. And then I woke up and huh. I thought about the dream and I was like, I don't think I feel that way. But but both of us were on board with that idea and I was very sold in the dream that spam was definitely better than bacon was. But now that I think about it, I, I don't know if I would say that. I might actually be pretty sure I wouldn't say that, but I'm curious how you feel. I would say yes, depending on the cut of bacon mm. and that because... There are certain cuts of bacon and the way that they're, it's prepped that, uh, yeah, it's unbeatable. But to me, spam is pretty good across the board, though. That's a tough one. Yeah, because spam is about, you can't, you can only do so much with spam. So it's really hard to mess spam up. But yeah. for me, when it comes to bacon, are you. Thicker cut or a thinner cut? I like a thicker cut. Okay. I could have, I, I was going to guess that that's probably what it was. And now here's the really big. But I don't like it chewy. So, like, that's okay. What so that's what I was going to say. Do you prefer of, a crispier bacon? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I just feel like I don't get enough when I have the thinner slice. You know what I mean? Because then by the time you put it in the skillet and you cook it up, it shrivels down. Oh yeah, it's gone. It's lost you know? all body. And if and if you cook it out too much, right, and you get it, it's like like we take a bite and it's like chewing on it's gravel, a yeah, yeah, or yeah, sand. Yeah. It's like yeah. this is not worth anything to me. So I want some substance to it, but I I don't want it, you know, chewy and gummy. But but what you but like what you are saying slice. is that when you lift the piece of bacon, do you want it to keep its? Re rigidity or do you yes. like a little bit of flop to it a l very little i mean i don't want it to be you know like a stiff as a board because it's like you know, that's when it's just mm -hmm. overdone mm -hmm. right but yeah it's got to have a little there's a really fine a window in there between one or the other i feel like you can easily you know, get a little more of a limber it's bacon. like the french right it's like the french if you can cook an egg well you're on your way to being a chef. Yeah. Bacon. You got to know what you're doing with bacon. Your mom, she cooks some pretty good bacon. 
I mean, I, and the times I've cooked bacon, I feel like you just turn your back for a second to do something else, and it can go from the perfect place to just burnt out. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, it's well, like this hot is dogs. You got you, it, with hot dogs on on a grill. You have to watch them the whole time. Mm-hmm. You turn away for a second, and they bubbled up, and blistered, and black and unedible. I, I maybe I've just had bad experiences with hot dogs on a grill because I don't like the blistery the the the, the char on it but um yeah I would say that I think hot dogs in the microwave kind of might be my favorite way to eat hot dogs if I'm being 100% honest I, I, well that's how I would normally eat them I you know but it's like it, the the way I like it on the grill is if you have the top rack. So I, we had the mm-hmm. gas grill, right, mm-hmm. propane. I never did it on charcoal because it's, it's too hot for hot dogs. Mm-hmm. But you do it on a, on a propane grill. You do it on the top rack, and that way it just slowly cooks <clears throat> up at the top, and they turn out perfect, no problems with them. And then they have a great flavor. It's also weird but, on charcoal because it's it, the it, they're not – it doesn't. It's not the type of meat that you want that charcoaly kind of flavor to go with. Because when you cook on charcoal, you yeah. taste it. It tastes like you've cooked on charcoal. And with like a burger or maybe like a, a steak or some kind of brisket or whatever, that's really good. But a hot dog yeah. is just a weird meat to mix with that charcoal flavor. So I don't mind the top rack. I mean, I haven't had it in a long time. But I think that my favorite is microwaved. And then boiled hot dogs are really good too. I mean, they swell yeah. up to, like, double the well, size. Well, that's the traditional street dog, though, right? Because traditional street dogs were boiled. If you went to New York and stuff like that, that's typically how you'd get it. They weren't usually, you know. Now, some you might find that they do it on a flat top kind of thing. Do a lot of the ones around way, here, most of the time, a lot of the ones around here are flat top. They do the wrapped in bacon. Every Almost every hot dog cart you see on the street is wrapped in bacon. Wow. Bell peppers and onions on the grill with it. I see them everywhere. And whenever you get like a, whenever you get a, it's it's interesting because I wouldn't expect that whenever you see a like a Mexican food truck, they've always got bacon wrapped hot dogs on it. Yes. And I wouldn't yeah, have associated. You want a street food? Mm, mm. See, and that explains why I never understood. I mean, it's simple. It's good food. So I, I mean, it's a great combination that anyone of any culture could figure it out. But um. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Although we were down out and uh, for the 4th of July, they had a free fireworks show, and they were running hot dog wrapped in bacon for $10. And it's because oh, they man. it's because they knew they could get away with it because it was just packed out. It was like an yeah. hour wait to get food off the food trucks. And there was like, you couldn't go 10 paces without there being another cart that looked exactly the same selling the exact same hot dogs wrapped in bacon. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not waiting at the food truck line because those are really long lines. I'm just going to go find the most empty cart and then just take what they got and it was like good if it was five dollars but for ten dollars it wasn't yeah. it was not yeah not quite what i was looking for but <clears throat> i mean it's fine if it's a if it's a big hot dog and they've got a lot of fixings on it mm-hmm. and the bun is good i might pay 10 bucks for it you know if i'm if i'm in a desperate situation really yeah. hungry and everything else was jammed but they bet better be really good otherwise and that was the thing is because i think i've been spoiled there's this lady who she's got almost it, it looks like it's some kind of like 
pickup truck sort of but the back has got an entire like it's basically turned into a food truck where they lift the sides open but you don't she doesn't stand on the inside she stands out on the outside of the truck and faces the the truck for where the skillet and everything is and she just is like two blocks down from where i work and she sells uh, tacos burritos tortas and hamburgers and hot dogs and i've been there and they, she's got five bucks for the hot and they're the best of the bacon wrapped hot dogs that i've ever had and so i'm kind of a little spoiled because like well these are amazing and they're five bucks and i can have them whenever and then if i'm gonna pay 10 yeah. bucks and you're gonna be half as good as what she's doing it's just it's like well what is this all about yeah. But nothing really, nothing really beats good street food. You can go to many, many restaurants, find dining establishments, and find some great food. But if you find a really good street vendor or someone with a food truck, you, I mean, you could find some of the greatest food creations known to man there. Oh yeah, for sure. It's something elegant, something just like a. But own- you kind of, but it's it's sort of an adventure because you mm-hmm. could get really sick. Mm, yes you don't know how uh, how clean they keep their trucks and whatever else and you have no idea right i mean it was kind of like we would get something to eat in mexico right tijuana it's like you sort of eat at your own risk oh see that yeah i never got sick but i had friends who got really sick oh yeah there's a truck i I i've risked it i'm a i don't know what it is about me that i can't help but as soon as i see that there is either shrimp or crab or lobster on the menu in some dish i'm gonna get that one we went to this one we went to this omelet this like a breakfast place called the omelet inn and they have it's called the pacifico omelet and it was loaded up with shrimp and crab and some of this like like almost like an aioli in there and stuff it was it was so unbelievably good but someone commented they're like who on earth is going to order something like who's coming to get breakfast with eggs and have uh shrimp and crab in it and i was like i that's i just ordered that a second ago and so i can't (laughs) i just can't help myself and it's led me into some bad places because there are the when you're in a rural area you shouldn't order seafood like it's just it's not uh (laughs) when they only have ponds creeks and lakes around them for like miles and miles don't get lobster if I can't smell the sea air, I'm not eating seafood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I only can smell the salty seaness in the restaurant, it's probably no go. Yeah. Well, and, and I ri- I ran the risk. There was a food truck down by the water, and they had shrimp quesadilla, and I was like, mm, "That sounds really good." And I got it, and it was fantastic. One of the, loaded with pieces of shrimp. And it was like torn up to pieces, the shrimp was kind of, so it wasn't just full pieces of shrimp, so it broke up more yeah. evenly around the quesadilla. Such a great green salsa to dip it with. And it was just, it was so, it was everything that I wanted it to be. But then I went back and like it kind of threw my stomach for a little bit of a turn. I don't think it was food poisoning, but I definitely was. I had a little more of a runnier day, you know? And so that was a little bit of the risk. And then I came back, I was like, you know what? I'm coming back to this place again because they're always there, the same truck. And I was like, I mean, it's so good. I'm just going to get it again. And I guess if it's if it's worse than the last time, then maybe I won't return. But if it, And it all was good. All was good. So I will be going back there again to get another one of those quesadillas. But I was a little nervous. The shrimp, the is kind of, shrimp is iffy because it's like, you know, when I was younger, 
my friend Cristiano's from Hawaii. He loves shrimp, but you could get it at Costco, right? In these big old bags. Yeah. And so your grandma would buy a big old bag of it, and we'd just stick it in the freezer, and we'd just take some out, let it thaw out. Man, we'd just sit there and eat that stuff all day. And that's great. So I don't know. Sometimes I don't know, like, when you go to a restaurant, it's like why they can't just do that. You know what I mean? And I, I realize that there's difference in sizes of shrimp in that. Like, I went down yeah. one night. Your mom and I went to check out the Red Lion down in Vancouver way back when it was there. And they had a, a restaurant inside, so we went to grab something. And it just decided, just some snack. We had already eaten dinner or whatever, so I ordered some <laughs> shrimp and some cocktail sauce. And I can smell the shrimp coming when she's walking to the table. I'm like, this is not good. Yeah. This is not good. I shouldn't be able to smell it all the way from here. But they were so huge, and I'm like, oh, I got to eat these, you know? But, <laughs> yeah, man, it one. was so bad. It's, it was it's so weird bad. because I will trust Olive Garden with my livelihood. Like, I, I will give them my whole, I'll eat whatever they have on their menu. So, like, no matter the seafood, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm going to have it. And I trust that it is enough of a chain world, maybe not world-renowned, but country-renowned restaurant that it's like, you're not going to serve me bad seafood. And like, and if you do, yeah. it's going to be just because I happen to be <laughs> the one unlucky guy this time that got the bad batch. But I'm assuming that their processes of running things ensure that the seafood is maybe not fresh out of the water, but it's like... It's probably only, it was caught probably like what, a week ago? It's been frozen for about a week now and now it's being cooked up for me? Yeah. But some of these other ones where it's like there's one or two of them, because that was the worst experience I had with shrimp was in Battleground and at the one whatever Mexican restaurant, I can't remember what it was, but there's literally like one of them or maybe two. It's not like a, a full chain. <laughs> and then I go there and you all the shrimp, you see the little black lines, like there's clearly the, the, the poop still inside of it. And I'm just like, ah. Oh it's yeah, it's a classic no, Tommy boy, man. I can't eat this, dude. It's and it's devastating. It's so saddening because it's like nothing excites me more than to eat. Because like I eat so many other meats throughout my life, but shrimp is not one I typically keep in the house. Occasionally we'll get it, but it's not a regular thing. So when I'm out, when I go yeah. out, it means I'm getting shrimp or crab or lobster, and I can't wait. And so to have a moment like that where you're just like you have to eat everything around the shrimp and you don't get to partake, you're just like, oh, it's insult to injury, really. I I used to eat at Subway that had the sh the seafood blend, and when right. I lived in Huntington Beach, yeah, when I lived in Huntington Beach, I used to get that all the time because they would just load it up and it was so good. What? But what? then I got what it one time. It? It, it was a mixture of crab and. And shrimp and just different things mixed into it. To me, it was like the poor man's lobster roll. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. really good. But I, I and good. so I'd get it all the time. But that's at Huntington Beach. But so we were driving cross country and we were in Texas and <laughs> we stopped at a truck stop and there was a subway there and they actually oh, had no. the sea they had the seafood <laughs> blend. Not a good idea. Dude, you already you already you should have known you just you started the sentence <laughs> with we stopped at a truck stop I, subway. You know, I was so tired and so hungry. And all of this nostalgia starts coming back when I saw it. And I'm like, uh, I know this is a bad idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do it forget, anyway. <laughs> forget common sense. 
See, I, I don't, I don't, I've not seen that. They have since, as far as I know, removed that from the menu completely, unless there are some select subways yeah, around the country that have it. Have it but I have not seen that. If I had seen it, I definitely would have, I would have ordered it at least once just to try it. I know they have the tuna and that I do not, I do not get like getting tuna fish from subway. Cause it's just like, they scoop it out with like one of those ice cream baller things and it's just like w- really wet, and like I know tuna's supposed to be grayish, sort of, <laughs> but like it's really gray, like it's like yeah. cement gray. And I'm like, it doesn't, it's not supposed to look that dingy. Like it's. Uh, My thought is like, if you want a tuna sandwich, the best one you'll get is to go buy a can at the store and go home and make it. Because oh, one hundred percent. Any anywhere else is just like no, it can't be. But I had a friend who got them all the time. He ate tuna sandwiches, or we would go to Islands oh, in Glendale, islands. and it's like you go there and you've got all of this stuff you can get, right? Fish tacos, whatever. And he would get a tuna sandwich. Yeah, no. no. I'm white. I'm like, no. why, dude? This is like. I don't make any sense to me, but that doesn't be that's uh, yeah, no, I'm not a fan of that whatsoever because it's it's just what kind of mentality is that as a human being like you're going I mean, unless you're just eating and it wasn't like it was cheap, like I'm going to understand if he didn't have much money and And so then he went there and that was the cheapest thing. No, it was like there were cheaper things and you still elected to get that. Oh, no, I'm just thinking, no way, man. Cause like that's Tuna's just I can do I can do I have very limited skills when it comes to cooking, and chefing it up in the kitchen, and so one of the few things I can do is make a tuna sandwich, and so like I'm not I'm not gonna go out and buy like I I'm only going out so often I really better get something that I'm never gonna be able to eat at home. That's why I'm so excited to eat yeah. shrimp or lobster or crabs. I'm like I'm never gonna eat this at home, so this is my only chance to get it now. That's that's rough. I knew a kid who used to go to Subway and he would get um he would get a grilled cheese. But they don't have a grill, so it's literally just it was a the white bread with a couple slices of American cheese, put it in the toaster, and then mayonnaise on it. Someone would do that who I can't even remember who it was. Someone I knew who would do that at In and Out. What? What? Yeah. Without the patty, why? Who why? would do that? Just, I'm just thinking. And you would pay. The, they pay the same price. It's not the like price you're the burger. It's not like it's cheaper. Yeah. yeah, you're. What are you doing? Just stay. You just make all that means I, is that you make really bad financial decisions. That I is just kept all it thinking. Says. Then just you know order the regular burger, take the meat off, and hand it to your friend. They can have a double double. Right. And- Right? You can have your you can have your bread. That's, yeah, yeah. What are you what are you saving on? It's not like I get if you go, but then I don't even get the flying. You know the flying Dutchman or whatever. Which just the it's just the meat and cheese. That's it. There's no bread. There's no lettuce wrap. Like I also don't understand that because I'm like just get. Yeah. Why don't you just get it? I love double doubles protein style. I think that In and Out has got the best lettuce wrap burger I've ever had from a place because they have the really really like. It's got the lettuce has got body to it, you know, and it's really crispy. Yeah. And so it just it, it adds such a nice crunch and it wraps around so well. Where like I've gotten the lettuce wrap from Wendy's and it's very like wilty, thin lettuce. It doesn't it's not enough to hold the burger together. But in and outs is great. And so I do like to sometimes I'll get two double doubles and I'll get one regular and one protein style. 
But to just get the Flying Dutchman, which is like, I think it's just patty, cheese, patty, and that's it. How do you eat it? You just, you hold, you just take bites out of the patty. That's it. It's just melted together. It's like, I don't understand why, like, I, I just, just stay home. Like, I don't know. Just like, stay home. Don't, why are you out? Or maybe if you yeah, have like I mean, a very forget very... what it would taste. Like. I mean, I just like I. I mean, why would I want to get my hands all greasy trying to eat a patty and cheese? <laughs> I mean, maybe <laughs> like, I was gonna say maybe like dietary restrictions, but the other option is wrapped in lettuce, and lettuce is just pretty much exclusively water. So like, yeah. it's not like I don't know anyone that can't eat lettuce. So why yeah, you would want to just palm the patty raw? I don't. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm also That's just being ridiculous. I also have my gripes. I mean, we're really going down this food. We're doing a we're like almost forty minutes in, only talking about food, which I love. Now, I wish I wish it could take you to to Rosarita in Mexico, because that is the best lobster and the cheapest lobster. Your mom and I and your aunt Amanda, we were there. Went down there after my graduation from seminary. Went down with some friends, some guys from the college group. Everyone headed back, and it was just your mom and your aunt Amanda and I were there. And we decided to go out for lobster dinner. Went to Rosarita. And it's, I mean, we're talking straight from the water up to the table, kind of fresh. Mm. And it's just nothing but just, you know, warm butter to dip it in. I can't tell you how many we ate. And then we had homemade tortillas. Oh. And refried beans and rice. It was like we sat there. I'm so we were so sick. We ate so much food, oh. and, but it like, was so like, like full lobster tail. Oh yeah, it how was many? Just how many like, were you eating? I can't even tell you. I don't even know. <laughs> wow, that cheap. That's like that's like lobster tail. Go eat a red lobster, like which is bare minimum is like twenty five dollars. Oh yeah, twenty seven dollars. No, this is because they. I mean, you you get the fishing boats. They go out there in the morning and they get their lobster cages and they pull that stuff in. So it's like it's fresh out of the water. They caught it that morning they, or like oh, yesterday yeah. evening or something. Yeah, there was a lady and we used to stay in a beach house down there. The Boswells owned it, and we'd go stay every summer down there when I was growing up as a kid. And there was a lady who lived right near where the the house was, and she would make these lobster burritos homemade oh. with homemade tortillas. And she'd bring them around, and we would buy tons of them, man, oh, and we'd just back on those for days. It was so good. That's but her son would go out in the morning. I'd go out surfing in the morning, and he'd be out there surfing with me. And then he would go get his boat, and he'd come out and get the lobsters out of the traps and bring it up to the house. And then she'd make the burritos and walk around and sell them. Okay, so here's a big is the best. Here's a big question that maybe we don't need to fully get into on this episode, but like, so there's like I I'm not gonna be able to eat lobster in heaven is is like seems like what the rules are like there's gonna be no meat. Is that is that is that as it? Am I interpreting the the book right? It would seem so, yes. Oh man, I you know, and listen. Here's the thing. I'm I'm excited. I'm giddy to eat my first meal. Like I know the first meal you eat when you finally get there is gonna be just like the greatest food you've ever consumed. No matter what it is, no matter what it is. But at the same time, 
there are certain flavors that just can't like seafood tastes distinctly. There's nothing else that tastes like seafood, as far as I know. As far as I know, there is no vegetable or root or 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 I don't know what I mean. We could really eat what plant life only that tastes like lobster. Like I don't know where I'm going to be able to have that experience again. So that's where. I mean, I understand. But you that. never, but you never know because you know vegetarians. They came up with some pretty crafty stuff. I have to say, right? So you, I mean, and the other side is we're, our body's going to be different. So how things taste to us could be radically different. Well, I believe that we they could, will. We we can find radically new yeah. flavors we never even knew existed, right? So it's like that. That would be that. But that just tells us, like Ecclesiastes, enjoy the gifts that you're given. In this life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to eat the in and out. I'm going to enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Might kill, yeah. My, it might kill me, but I'm yeah, going to enjoy like, it when I'm, I'm around gonna, it. Exactly. And, exactly. Because I'm only here. I cannot. Uh, once I'm dead, I'm never eating another McDonald's McDouble ever again. And I happen to and really enjoy that. And so yeah. I'm going to keep eating them. And I'm not going to eat them like in an unhealthy manner. Although I'm pretty sure people, it could be argued that any consumption of them is an unhealthy manner. But at the same time, as you get older, you start losing a taste for stuff. You just do. Mm-hmm. Like Dick Dick Duncan, he his he loved fried chickens for Popeyes. That I mean, he would eat that as many times as he could during the week, and then all of a sudden, he just couldn't stand it, and he just there were just things that he loved to eat all the time, and he just lost the taste for them well i'm very interested in the fact that i mean it's crazy our so even in this even in this life there's a window of time to appreciate, to appreciate those things it. yeah which yeah. is why just when the moments happen and you have the ability to go eat some good food eat some good food you know yeah don't don't worry i had that that issue whenever i was really overweight like, I would not be eating healthy at all in my normal day-to-day life. But for some reason, whenever we went out to eat, I felt compelled to try to eat healthy. And I think it was just my own pride or something that, like, it's like, okay, now that I'm around people, I should probably act like I'm trying. Um, but I, that, I never had the conscious thought of that. But, like, that's the only thing that kind of adds up for me. But I would just be like, all right, now, now that we're out to eat some really good food that's being paid for, now I'm going to try to, you know, have the cauliflower version of whatever dish I actually like, and it's and it's yeah. it, that doesn't make any sense to me anymore. I'm not about that. I'm going to enjoy the food I can. Um, but I, I was also hearing somebody talk about the fact that, like, the conditions of Earth when it was first created are so catastrophically different than they are now, especially due yeah. to the flood. That, like, first of all, I heard someone, they were talking about the fact that the electromagnetic pole or field on the Earth is, has consistently been declining since the beginning of time. And so it is significantly, butcher that word, significantly less strong than it used to be. Now, there are different animals, like bees, that use the electromagnetic, oh, boy. Oh, this is going to be a hard one to get through. I'm I'm trying to act like I know science stuff, but I'm just I heard it on a TikTok and I'm trying to regurgitate it. So bees, as I've well studied in my free time, use the electromagnetic field to go out and find flowers to pollinate. 
And so it, they basically have like a homing system inside of them of like, this is exactly where to go to find the flowers. At least this is yeah. what I've heard. And a few other animals do the same thing. But because there's iron in our body, that if the electromagnetic field was where it should be at the beginning of Earth when it was created, we would have a very similar thing where we would always know where on Earth we were. Like we would just have an innate sense of exactly where we are and where the things we need to get to are. Because we know north, south, we would just inherently know because we'd feel the pole inside of us. And then they were also talking about the levels of oxygen, how that's continually going down, which is some people believe is what killed the dinosaurs, is that dinosaurs were not like unbelievably large, but they were still larger than other, a lot of other animals. And they had this about the same size lungs and nostrils as like a horse. And they were like some of them twice as big as a horse. So once the oxygen just started to, I don't know, like just become less dense, they just yeah. couldn't breathe. And they died off that. At least that's that's a theory that I've heard thrown out. Um, but it's also affected us, obviously. And I heard someone saying that there's probably a good chance that like, because have you ever heard of like hyperbaric chambers? Yeah. Well, apparently it's like they'll they've it's a new thing that they're starting to use in like medicine where there was this like baby who fell down like a little drainage pipe outside and was like caught in like a splits position for two days. And then they oh, yeah. finally got her out. Her whole one leg was completely black and like the doctor was like, We have to amputate it immediately. And then they were like, Hold on, I have an idea. Let's stick her in this hyperbaric oxygen chamber, which is just makes super high amounts of oxygen way higher than it is around us, but close to what it would have been back in the beginning of time. And within like a matter of like, I think it was like an hour or something like that. The full color was restored to her leg. Everything was, was going back to normal. That's that guy, the field goal kicker for Seattle Seahawks way back when that's what he did. He did something similar to that. Hyperbaric chambers. He had, he had a thing at home that was similar to that, that he would do. He would just go climbing that thing and, well, and I, and I heard someone say that if the oxygen levels were where they should be, somewhat similar to the hyperbaric chamber, there's a good chance that humans, like, we would be able to, like, run for, like, hundreds of miles without needing to stop. But, um... Oh, the flood caused a lot of problems, man. <laughs> I mean... It changed it, everything. Yeah. Major L. I mean, that's all I can really say about it is a big major L on the home front. Um, If you want... We're already, we've, you know, we've cruised the whole episode. We haven't really gotten too godly this episode. I mean, I think we still are. We still are. We're doing okay. We're, we're like, we've mentioned biblical things enough. This is just precursor. We're, we're getting the appetite wet for the real. For the real deal. Because now that you're. real meat. Now that you guys are all starving. <laughs> like, yeah. I, we talked about chips, bacon, <laughs> lobster, Go shrimp. out and indulge tonight because next time we're going to cut it all out. <laughs> now, that you're, now that you're salivating <laughs> at work or wherever you're listening to this, we're going to take a nice little right turn detour to the topic of fasting. And I, I, you know, I don't know how much there is to even really talk out when it comes to fasting. So I'm, I'm happy to have a full podcast talking about food and just enjoy. I mean, these are, we're just, we're, we're, we're praising God for the gifts he gives us. That's what we can, that's like, that's like when you eat out every day for work and you use it as like a tax write off. 
And it's like, well, this is a business expense. I have to eat to be at my job. So this is a business expense. So when we're talking <laughs> yeah. about good food that we like, and that's a fun conversation, we're like, well, this is, it's praise to the one who gave us the good food. So it's like a, it's like a religious write-off, basically. So it still counts. This is still a Christian podcast. This episode's still, this isn't some kind of heathen thing. Yeah, we're still taking the principles of Ecclesiastes, and we're just talking about things that we're given to enjoy. Indeed. But it is interesting how food is. It's it's something that's necessary for life. It's something that God has given us, and it's enjoyable. You, it's it's good to have, but in moderation of certain things. The imitation to me, it's like when, you know, I heard something recently about you know all these diet sodas and stuff like that, right? And people have been talking about it for forever. Yeah, the stuff that they use to sweeten them and this, that, and the other thing. And the truth has always been sugar's better than fake anything. Yeah. Just yeah. take it in moderation, right? I mean, don't – so it's kind of like with all this other stuff, you know. I it's mean, almost like they're realizing trying to that, compensate for people's just like lack of self-control. And it's like how can we uh, allow people to eat uncontrollably – without gaining as much weight as they would gain. I mean, they're still like more rapidly getting cancer now, but they yeah. aren't, at least they're not as chubby as they could have been. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they had the real sugar in it. Yeah. So they have a drop on the cancer when they actually get the cancer, they're going to be skinny. So they're not going to have to worry about the, <laughs> the worry. weight they'll, loss they'll still part. Be, still be fine. <laughs> it's like... If the highest priority is just not to get fat, then honestly, it seems like a win in the books for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've, so I've been basically, I've had, I've really enjoyed wanting to talk about fasting with you on this podcast without actually talking about it because it's allowed <laughs> it's allowed me to be like you know what this is something that when i understand it i will partake in but right now i'm not sure what i'm doing so i'm probably still good to just eat whenever all the time yeah so i'm a little bit you know hey today the, the day has come and it's time to talk about this and to understand why we do it and how to do it and I, I you know all the ins and outs of it. What are your um? What is your experiences with fasting? Have you done it fairly often? Do you have it a part of your regular routine in life now or what? No, I wouldn't say you know have I yes, but it's not like I, one of the guys and and one of the statements i put down he refers to it as a sacrament i don't know that i would classify it as a sacrament biblically so sacraments we have any evangelical any believer basically baptism lord's supper those are the two things we're commanded to do mm. um there are others that the catholic churches you know consider the like lord seven supper? sometimes 12 communion that's communion yeah but most people just refer to it as communion, right? It's not like typically but only, refer to but, it as Lord's but, Supper. But. Not, not to go on a tangent before we get into the thing we're actually trying to talk about, but isn't it, is it actually saying, like, isn't what Christ is saying is whenever you eat bread or drink wine, do it in remembrance of me? Not just, like, once a month make sure you and the congregation have a sip of wine and a, a little bite of bread together. 
yes to the second, no to the first. Okay. So like in Acts, when it talks about them breaking bread together, there's an article there in the Greek, which indicates that it's more than just a meal. Like they partook of the Lord's Supper, right? Bread okay. and wine. But when Paul talks about it, say in 1 Corinthians, and he's building off of what Christ did with the disciples, he said, the Lord instructed me to do this, right? And so that was a part of the the church's celebration of reflecting backwards, looking at what Christ did on the cross and, his, and, and the price that was paid for our sins, but also it was looking forwards because he said, until the Lord comes, we are to do this. So thus it's a sacrament. We were commanded to do this. And Paul, even though he wasn't one of the disciples that walked the earth with Jesus, this was instruction he received from Christ after he was resurrected when he appeared to him on the road to Damascus. When he was in Arabia, there were a bunch of things that were revealed to Paul that were revealed to the other disciples when they walked with Christ, but they were revealed to Paul then. And so he passes that instruction on to the church, and so they were to carry that on. So baptism and Lord's Supper or communion are two things that we're supposed to to partake in as a church. We're not told how often we have to do it. It just says whenever you do it. So every church is different in, in regards to how often they do it, but it would seem from Acts and the context there that they were daily getting together for meals. Now what's different is that, so they had what they called love feasts, which is mentioned in Jude that they would have, and this is one of the things that Paul was dealing with with the church in Corinth, so they would have a love feast, they would have a meal, and then they would partake of the Lord's Supper. So the Lord's Supper that, is <clears throat> only bread and wine. That's what it is. Yes, yes. So in 1 Corinthians, there's a difference. There's the Lord's table, and then there's the Lord's Supper. And the it seems like in Corinthians, there's actually the Lord's Supper was them eating food and having the love feast, and then there was the table, there was the communion. So it seems like there was a difference there, but when most people refer to it as the Lord's Supper, they're talking about communion. They're looking back to the night when Christ was with the disciples and instituted it then, and that's what Paul's talking about, First Corinthians. So now, that, is, that is what we're supposed to do and partake of as a church. Now, how do you think God feels about the... Swapping out of wine for Welch's. Can't say how God feels about it. Okay. But could you I pontificate say, maybe? But I can say biblically it's not binding that you have to use wine. I think that, you know, if you if you could, it's good, but it's not mandated because here's the difference. There's nothing in the elements so some believe that when you partake of the bread and wine, right, that they miraculously turn into Transform. the blood and body of Christ Catholic, within Catholic you, right? Thing? Yeah, they say some magic words and it's supposed to turn into actual flesh, yeah. but it still kind so, of tastes like rye. So there's that aspect, right, that those who hold that, but there's nothing about the elements that it's just that they represent something, and that's that's the important thing is what they represent. So do you have to use, you know, the things that were used then? No. 
And in America, we don't typically because there are people who are saved and they're recovering alcoholics. And for some of them, it would probably send them over the edge again. So Mm -hmm. a lot of churches, that's what they started doing was just doing that. But wherever else you go, for the most part, I mean, I partook at communion in France and in Russia and other places, and they, they all used wine, but... Now, would you ever feel compelled to do that outside of the, not the church setting, but like say you're having a meal with people from the church and you guys are having like a big get together, a potluck, and then just be like, hey, let's, before we start the potluck, let's break bread together, let's do the thing, and then let's go have the thing, or, or, do you feel like we've done that? We've done that here. We've had the, like, we'd had the love feast and then we had communion afterwards. Which I think is good. I, I, to me, it, it, it's, it's something that the church practiced for a lot of years early on, and then it's, it, it, there was a point where they just sort of stopped doing it. Partly was because of like, like the issue with Corinth, right? That people were, you know, there were people who were wealthy who had plenty of food. Those there were people who were poor who didn't have. The people who were wealthy sat and stuffed their gourds and didn't share with those who didn't have. They were getting drunk during the meal before communion and that, and so it was becoming something it wasn't supposed to be. Mm. And so Paul condemned them for that. So for the church, you know, it just became something that they they stopped doing, but I think it's a good thing. So we used to do that here, where we would just do you know a feast and we just incorporated worship as a part of that. But like I say in Acts, it would seem that they daily they met in each other's homes and they would take meals together and then partake of the Lord's Supper. Eating, I I saw uh, uh, someone on the internet was like. I don't get the the enjoyment of eating with other people. It's like I've always found eating to be a private thing. It's gross to hear people's like mouth noises and chewing and he's like it just is honestly just seems disgusting. So I don't get why people like to meet up for food. He's like when I eat I would like to just preferably eat alone. And I don't understand that take at all. But um there's cuz there's just such an amazing thing about just sitting down and sharing good food with other people and you're all just like in it together eating all the food and you're having this just food just brings it's such an amazing experience to just eat good food and then to be able to share that experience where all of you guys are like oh do taste this oh no, no you got to have this oh try my thing try this thing try, oh you should have a little bit of this thing cuz you're just like oh, I want everyone to feel what I'm feeling and it's great it's a great moment right here well, we've had, you know, I've always believed in it, and where I came to understand this was going through Luke's gospel because I, I realized there's so many moments where Christ is having food with people. And with, like, the religious leaders, they were so upset that he was eating with sinners. Why? Because there was meals for them was something of, of an importance as far as fellowship and that. And so they were offended that he would do that with them. But I realized the importance of food going through the Gospel of Luke. So, you know, when we did youth ministry and that, we I found we were hanging out a lot, just going to a restaurant, you know, going to get coffee. Food always seemed to be around us getting together, and it was always a good time to talk and have conversation and, and just hang out. We had a coffee house that we all went to. It was near Georgie's, 
and we'd all just go hang out there for a long time just talking and that so i i i took that to heart and and realized that there's there's much that's good with that you know if you're baptist they do a lot of potlucks so you know i love a great potluck dude yeah so it's like, so I I brought that mentality when we moved up here. I started grilling. I didn't grill that much when we lived in California every once in a while. But Interesting. So that's what set you on your course of becoming the grill man yeah, you are today. But but when I, we moved up here, I realized it's a great opportunity to invite people over to the house. Yes. Free food. You cook it for them, and they get to come and eat it. And it, it opened up doors for us to, to get to know the neighbors and build into people's lives and and that's sort of what got me going. But it's funny because when we were in Russia, I had a student came to me, and guys who were who came to the school from surrounding areas, they weren't local guys. They were placed in churches. They didn't get to choose where they went. You know, a lot of guys who lived close by, they would just go back to their home church on the weekend, and they would serve there and that. But guys who were from outer regions, like this one brother was from Kazakhstan, they placed him in a church, said, you have to minister here, you don't have a choice. Well, he came to me one time in class, and he said, I'm having such a hard time because it's this remote village, it's all older people, they're very closed off as it is. They had a, you know, a, a reservation because he was from Kazakhstan, he wasn't true Russian. And so he trying to develop a relationship with him he said it's so tough and i said do this i said have everyone one sunday after church tell everyone to bring their favorite dishes of food and you guys just have a potluck after church and see what it does he came back that next week and he was just like cloud nine he says i could not believe (laughs) how that changed everything People came. They loved it. They got to share their food with everybody. They just, they never wanted to go home. He's like, it changed everything about his ministry. And I said, that's the gospel of Luke, man. That's the lesson I learned from there. So when we came back to the States, I kind of brought that with us. So we've done that, you know, over the years. We've had things where we've done potlucks and, you know, different things. We had that one night we did, you know, we did taco night, hot dog night. You know, just different things like that. Because I found that, you know, when people, when you get them around food, it's like at, at first you want to try and get to understand people and really build into their life. It's really hard to get them talking when it's just you come for church and then worship's over. You have a little bit of coffee and maybe a donut or something and you go. Yeah. But when you have them get a meal and they're going to sit around, all of a sudden they they get lubed up and they start gabbing. Oh, yeah, walls go and down. And that's when, that's when the fellowship starts. So it's like it really gets people talking and loosens them up. This is why, you know, with 4th of July, it's a good time because everyone comes over and hangs out. They get some food in them and all of a sudden they start talking and you learn things about people, which ordinarily they probably wouldn't divulge or talk about. Which maybe, maybe, and now listen, I'm not going to prescribe this because I don't know much of anything. But it also kind of, I see why the partaking of wine is also a great little handy helper in, in ministry too. When it's like you're around people you don't know whatsoever and you're trying to break the wall down. Just something about having a little beverage with a little food. Then you're like, you don't want to move. Because by the time you've eaten, even if, even if you haven't gorged yourself or anything like that, you feel good, and you just you don't want to do much except for just kind of sit and chat. 
And so it's like, well, I'm here. And like, you've already started the conversation because you can talk about the food that you just ate. So even if you have nothing in common, you have the experience you just had together to talk about. And then that opens the door to so many more conversations. But the difference is, you know, for, for, for their culture, food and drink went together. It was never just drink. No, that would be weird. Right? It, it was food and drink, and they would just sit around and, and talk, and, and that was the thing. France, there was, that, there was a similarity to that where that's what they did. Russia, not, not so much because in Russia, like, drinking vodka is like it, it's a part of their culture. Most kids, by the time they're age 12, they're drinking pretty heavily vodka, and they're smoking. <laughs> Like our wow. neighbor, they they their two year old. They had a birthday party. She already had her first beer at two. Wow! So that's that culture. So in the church, they used wine, but it was from the Orthodox Church. But so if you went to a believer's home or anything like that, it was tea. But it was still a social thing. You would have tea and food. But in France, you know, they would they would do wine. But in France, that wine was sort of also like a a, a thing to gather over because there was a we had missionaries who signed a statement um, going out from BMW, I think it was, that part of their statement was that they wouldn't drink any alcohol. But they said, but we're going to France. And in France, if you become friends with your neighbors, one of the things they'll do is invite you into their home for wine and champagne. And it was just something that they did. They were heavy foodies, you know, French people are, so yeah. that would be the next step. But this was the first step, and if you got invited to something like that, it was a huge deal. So you're going to tell missionaries to say, okay, so you get invited over to someone's home, they offer you a glass of wine, you say, no, sorry, because I signed an agreement with the sending agency that I wouldn't drink anything, right? So it caused conflict, mm. you know? So it, it's one of those things where... In certain cultures, it's just a part of life. Food, drink, it's what they do. No one thinks anything of it. It's not a problem. Here, however, Russia, however, it's a problem. <laughs> so it's not something that's that's typically done. And here you you have to be careful because one may be free to do that, yeah. but you never yeah. know who you're with and whether or not you'll cause them to stumble in that. So well, the problem it's is, is just that like you have to weigh that stuff. We have these people where we're like, you won't, you won't catch. I, I mean, I have, I have yet to see, and, and I haven't gone, I haven't gone to a lot of different churches or whatever. And even when I go to churches, I haven't been a part of very many like small groups where you're meeting kind of in the home and outside of just the building. But I have yet to see an alcoholic beverage at any of the social gatherings revolving the the family meeting of God's family. But and, and and we do have the you know, obviously you don't know how it affects everybody, you don't want anyone to overindulge, but we know who's having a rough go of it when it comes to eating food. And we still are showing yeah. up with just mashed potatoes, baked <laughs> beans in the thing. We got the spare ribs. And it's like yeah. half the congregation, they're like, they take deep breaths trying to get over to the table for the fourth time. And it's like so. So there you have a, there you have a Romans 14. You have those who are meat eaters and those who are vegetarians, right? It's like you have to be cautious for. 
But Paul's what do you like, do, hey, though? Look. If you have a heavier set person in your church, do you just, like, stop having potlucks altogether because you don't want to tempt them into eating? Well, no, you, you – yeah, but you can you can work around it because we do that. We have gluten-free. We figure out ways to, to cater to those who are trying to be healthy. It just takes extra work, and it takes creativity. That's fair. The problem is that, that there are people who just aren't that considerate and they don't want to well, work okay. at it because it does, t- it takes work because we have several people in this body who are, are their particular things. And so it's trying to figure out something that, okay, maybe you don't eat this way or this kind of food regularly, right? So it's not something that you regularly fix. So you have to learn how to do that. And to make it and to prepare and to do that, there's thoughtful people in this body who, who are willing to go to great lengths to do that. And I think that that's amazing. So it can be done. And you can figure out ways in which you can have good food, healthy food, without you know being offensive okay. to somebody. But it's being thoughtful and, and considering the people around you. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But... What you're saying, though, is that you're giving them the option out where it's like, hey, listen, there are other alternatives here so that if you yes. are trying to be health conscious because maybe whatever your reasoning is, maybe you have a little bit of an issue with food, you know, and you're trying to like you don't can't yes. you want to get anything that's too salty, too sweet or it's going to set that little ticker in your brain off. And you're just going to not be able to stop because you're still on the road and you got a little work to go. But you still are. It's not like you're making a hard line. OK, no. Like only gluten free, only low sodium, yeah. only this. You're having but here's the, the here's, people. But here's here's the thing: someone can eat something that's unhealthy. They're not going to get unhinged and become belligerent. They're not going to get out of control. Well, no, but this is this is the so, point that I'm, it, I'm I'm about to make though is that yeah, but that you never you never see, and not that, again. This is also something that I'm okay with it not being a part of church culture. Totally fine with it, but you never see. The liter of Coke, root beer, lemonade on the back counter, and then (laughs) the six-pack of Coronas next to it. So you have the option of which one you want to go to. You only are allowed to drink soda, which, again, is unhealthy. Some people have an issue with soda. But it's (laughs) like you never give the option for those who can. You're probably better drinking a glass of wine than a soda, man. Than a soda. (laughs) Really? Wine isn't going to give you cancer, at least no, not that we know of. <laughs> not, not, I mean, uh, not maybe not its purest form. If you hand press it out back and just age it yourself, but yeah, but it, yeah, you know, in an individual's house, you may get that. You know, I've, have you, you had you that? Get, have you had that happen with with Christians that you've like gone to their house for dinner and they have that is openly they yeah. offer it to whoever? Yeah, you feel a type of way just about depends that. On, it's not. You know what? That's different too because they can. Usually, it's like yeah, they may have invited believers over, but they've they know who is who, and they know if people are going to be offended or not, or if they don't partake of that, they're not. It's not going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know, in that kind of setting, they can pick and choose their who's going to come and fellowship. But if you're trying to be all inclusive and bring everybody in the body, then, then you probably wouldn't do something like that. Cause you just, you could have sense. several people in the body who might you be. want to start in, even if there's not a person who's got an unhinged drinking prop, you still don't want to start a fight or argument between two, maybe slightly immature believers 
who are yeah. like they feel very strongly about how they feel and so they're going to maybe come to not blows actually but just cause a slight rift in the in the group um, but hey you you can look i've seen two pastors go at go you know fisticuffs because they played in a church league and, oh, and I don't, get, I don't doubt that at all. you know what i mean so it's like so if you threw alcohol in it, and oh, a dude. couple man, Church you could get some. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, see, and this is what I'm saying. I'm 100% okay with the cultural yeah. mentality being yeah. you just don't bring out all the church functions because church people, they, I mean, they're still people. That's just what it is. Yeah. And so if you start to get activities like that going, and, I mean, you're still, you're going to have, there's going to be some issues. So our neighbors across the street, right, they they had met another f- couple around the corner. And at the time, you know, they didn't have kids and that. We did. So we tried reaching out to them, but they didn't have kids. So it's like, they, you know, they were in a different period of life than we were. Yeah. But they met this couple around the corner, which we, you know, knew they were professing believers and that. So we thought, okay, great. So they're, they're spending time with each other. And so neighbors across the street were like, oh, yeah, they're so amazing, and they love wine and all this stuff, and they're Christians, and they love to drink, and we do, you know, get wine and we drink. Well, then the couple gets a divorce, the quote-unquote Christian couple. <laughs> it's like, what kind of testimony is that? Like, oh, you're the hip, cool people. He drives a Harley, and, you know, they hang out and do wine club together and all this stuff, but then they go and get a divorce, well, and, and you're like, and that's the hello. Problem. That's the problem is because <laughs> yeah. food, food is such an amazing thing that can be a part of hanging out. Like, I, I have an amazing time with my friends regardless of what we're doing, whether there's food or not, and when I go out with them, in my mind, it, there for a long time, it was like, well, we're going out, so, like, what's the point of going out if we're not going to, like, eat and, like, drink and do something f- extra fun or whatever? Where now I'm at a yeah. point where it's like, I don't need to eat just because we're out. Like, if we're hungry and then we're like, hey, this sounds like a great idea. We should go get some food. Like, last weekend, we all decided we had a long day out. We were out and about. And I was just like, you know what sounds amazing is Red Robin. And all of us had that look in our eyes of just like, oh, you know what? That does sound amazing. And then we went to Red Robin, and it was a f- we feasted. We feasted. We got we got the pretzels with the cheese dip as the appetizer, and then we got the a bottomless fries, a vat of ranch dressing, and and campfire sauce, and it was a great time. But when you have the mentality of like, well, what's the point of hanging out if we're not going to go out and eat food? And same, I feel like with alcohol, it's like, well, yeah, I think that I have a, many gr- great conversations I've had where me and a friend have been sitting down and drinking like some ciders or something like that while we're eating our food or whatever, and we're talking, and it's and it's all good. But if yeah. your mentality is, every, when you hang out with people, when you go out and do anything, it's it's partly about going and getting alcohol or going and getting food or going and getting whatever, then yeah. you kind of lose that. I feel like that's where, like, I, I'm no problem with anyone that that keeps alcohol in their house and, and offers it when they have someone over. But when they're like, oh, yeah, we come over to drink wine because it's wine. <laughs> yeah. we're going to wine it up tonight. And, like, that's why yeah. we're meeting up is not maybe not just the ministry, but it's mostly so that we can drink wine with people we like. I think there's a man. We still haven't gotten to fasting yet, uh, but I think this still this conversation is amazing. This is a good preface, though. This is a, a good, good preface because this is still all about food, our relationships to food and and faith at the same time. Um, but there is oh boy, what was I just about to say? There was something I was going to say. 
What was the last thing you just said? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I remember now. There is this, I, I've found that, and I and I have nothing against people that make full decisions of like, I know that I have had maybe, like, maybe not even issues, but like, I just completely cut this out of my life. Like, I don't do this. Yeah. So like when we go out, this is something I just never do. It is something that I've already predetermined I am not going to do whenever. And I have found there's a very, like, that almost is easier mentally, sort of. Like the first decision-making of being like, you know what, I don't eat this because I know I can't have a tendency to overeat maybe or I've had a past where I would just, you know, I was a little overweight or something like that. And so I'm just yeah. not going to have this, you know? And like there's nothing, yeah. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that either. But to go out, whether you're out and about with friends, whether it's just your day ahead of you, and you kind of like you don't ever just don't think too much about your next decision don't think about what your next meal is going to be even i mean when the time has come to eat then decide hey what should i have now but just yeah. and then and then letting those moments be guided by the spirit where god will give you these great moments to go out and do something fun and to go out and get food and it doesn't have to be this thing where i'm planning it so that i can go out and get good food you know yeah but it just, there's a moment that happens. And it's like, oh, cool. This is, God just allowed us to be able to go do this thing. It wasn't something that I've been like hyping up in my mind. Is like, oh, I'm looking forward to it. Today's going to be a good day because we're going out to eat later. Today's going to be a good day because we're going to go get some, get some beers at the store later. And that's why today is going to be a good day. But kind of living very detached from everything, but still allowing there to be moments where God's like, hey, I want you to go out with these people. So go enjoy the food that is there, but just walking every moment in the spirit where, because you, you almost want to make up your mind too, where I, I find this recently I've having this fear of like thinking about like once I've already been okay with my preconceived thought on something, I'm afraid of changing my mind. Where it's like once I've already decided, oh, this is wrong and this is right. I get nervous because I'm like, well, this is working for me right now. I like just not doing this and just fully being okay with doing this. But yeah. now I feel pressured in my head. I feel the spirit talking to me that maybe it's less black and white. Maybe the thing that I've told myself is okay isn't always okay. But it is okay sometimes. And there's this fine game where I have to be really in tune to the spirit in each moment to be like, okay, is this one of the moments where this is okay? Or am I coming at it for wrong intentions i'm misusing or mistreating whatever the gift is that god has given me in this moment or even where there's things where i've already made up my mind that this isn't okay and it's like well that might not be true all the time either well and, and, it's, have, and it's it's de depending on and leaning on the holy spirit in regards to your conscience but it also determines how you feed your conscience mm -hmm. right because it can be hard it can be ultra sensitive it can right so part of it too is the principles that we feed ourselves on that help guide and direct the conscience along with the holy spirit and then we just walk right yeah yeah i mean that's all you have to it's really just just start walking don't worry about what's they, coming I up mean, next it, just walk the thing that we wrestle with as sinners is the is it's taking those good things and making them 
the good thing, mm-hmm. the absolute in life, right? It's like you're saying, you know, deciding to go out because I want to go out and get something good to eat. And it, it becomes the thing. And that's when we start getting ourselves. Well, because you're like, you're like, well, this is what makes days good. Because whenever I go out and eat food, it's a good day because I always enjoy it. So in order to have a good day, I must go out and get food. And it's like, well, that's one type of good day. That is a great moment. But there are so many other different kinds of moments. And that's where Ecclesiastes throws you for a loop where it's like better is sorrow than laughter. And it's like, okay, better is a house yeah. of mourning than a house of feasting. And it's like, okay, well, there may there are times where the better, more fulfilling, more overall enjoyable day is a day where you stay in and you have a really serious conversation heart-to-heart with somebody. And there isn't yeah. a lot of of extra pleasures that life can offer. It's pretty stripped back, and it's and it's mostly just... It feels a little more pressure, a little more um, a sadness that sits over everything. But then you step away from that day and you're like, God, this is the day that you gave me. And yeah. I honestly can't imagine spending it any other way because this feels the most fulfilling it could have been. But then you you already walk in with these things of like, well, this is just this is going to be a bad day. I don't want to do this because every time I do have a good day, it looks like this. And so I, my goal in life is to try to make every day look like this because this is what I like the most. And you're just like... Yeah. You, you don't even realize that you're robbing yourself of so many amazing emotions and moments and feelings and things that life has to offer that builds you into a complete person. If you're just like, well, I like sitting around the fire pit, playing music with my friends, eating some food, having some drinks. There's nothing wrong with loving a moment like that. But if you are, if your yeah. goal now is I'm working so that as many evenings of my life can be spent doing that then like you're really really missing the point yeah but quickly i guess not too quickly or whatever but if you want to hop back over more into fasting now now that we've really really talked out all the other aspects of food and so what you were saying is that you don't believe that fasting is something that has been told we are we've been commanded too fast well, I don't I don't put it up there alongside of as a sacrament with baptism and the Lord's Supper or communion. Mm. But at the same time I see it as something that that we should do in our spiritual life. Okay, and why do you feel that it way? It isn't it isn't commanded to us to do it. But, you know, I cite some of those references where you know, Christ talks about whenever you do this or right while the bridegroom is with them, but there will be a time for them to fast. So the church understood there were times where there would be a need to fast and there are different reasons for why one would do that. And I think that also lies behind the instruction that Paul gives, you know, for husbands and wives, you know, to abstain for a time upon agreement, but then they need to come back together so they don't right give the devil an opportunity so there are times where uh, it seems like even in the life of the body where one might choose to fast for a period and so that prayer would be a part of that is that reference because i had a question about that reference that you just said about paul and now is that pertaining to food or is that pertaining to marital relations that it sounds kind of like marital that relations. has 
that has to do with marital relations, but it's abstaining mm-hmm. for a time for like fasting and prayer. Maybe there's an issue that needs to be resolved. If husband and wife need to seek the Lord on something. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, you can you can abstain from being together for a time to do that, but it must be a set time and then you need to come back together. Because it made it seem like you both have to agree on it, that this is what we're going to do. Don't just be like, no, I'm whole, I'm not, yeah. I'm out. I've decided that In I'm going to take some time away. In other words, you can't, you can't use it on your, so sorry, I'm, 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 I'm really going through a spiritual thing <laughs> yeah, right sorry, now. I'm I can't fasting be with at the you, moment. You know? I can't, I'm not yeah. feeling it right now. So, okay. uh, yeah. So I think that there's a time. Well, because that. and that's I kind of that that's, that's a very that, that was what my question was or one of the questions I've had about fasting is is I assumed it wasn't it, like only an exclusive the for food because I there I feel like there yeah. are plenty of things in life that can be fasted you can fast from TV or entertainment or video games or whatever or whatever you feel is like a very key thing in your life that you would like to to I don't know give up I, I um. But that's a super interesting one, is at least for a married couple, because there are times where there's such a beautiful thing where it, it's it's like a unifying thing that yeah. I know that you can even allow it to keep you from ever addressing the problems in your relate. Like, say you guys are having a thing you don't agree on, and you can't seem to come to a middle ground agreement, but you're just yeah. you're kind of allowing yourselves to just use that as a way to just ignore. The fact that there's something on the table that we still haven't addressed yet. And so it's like, all right, well, maybe we need to step away from said said activities till we can really pray through this, talk through this, come to an agreement, and then we can come back together. Yeah. Which I feel like it's something that is not, like, mentioned. At least it's not something that I've heard too much other than just that verse. And I, I wasn't even really familiar about with that verse until I just read it on the thing you sent me. So. Yeah, so there's, I mean, I think really what gets to the issue is what's what's in one's heart. And some of those quotes I gave you talk about that aspect of it. I think that's the important thing with fasting. But there's different reasons of why one would do it. There's different periods, right? You know, we have passages that talk about, well, let's fast for three days, day and night, and then we'll do what we're going to do kind of thing. And so it it's not always for a long period of time. Sometimes just for a set period of time, depending on whatever one is fasting for, whatever the reason is. Now, so. what do you, because what do you think the reasons behind fasting are? Like, what are some of the reasons that you could choose to fast? If somebody's walking into this, they've never fasted before, they don't really know what would make them choose to do that. Or under what circumstances they would want to do that? Um, well, what what are some of the I main mean, without ones? plunging too deep into it? But you have occasions. Some of the passages I referenced in there, you have some where they're mourning the loss of someone. David loss of a son, and so there was fasting and and mourning. Yeah, but that, that but that, that doesn't even seem. Well, okay, so now with that passage but, when David lost the, the one son, did he know that this... Because didn't God tell him that the son was not going to live before the son died, Yeah, basically? Yeah. 
Okay, so that was for mourning. It wasn't so, just him going to God to try to ask him to keep the son alive. No, 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 no. And and also, you know, there's the element of repentance that's involved oftentimes with fasting, right? Mm-hmm. So in that case, right, it was sin that was, you know, the ultimate cause behind why the child died. So okay. <clears throat> you can have mourning, you know, over something, grief over sin, right? Sackcloth and ashes. There's, you know, trying to understand God's will for your life. Mm. In particular situations, you have a major decision, wanting to know, like Christ, before he called all the disciples together and chose the 12 and, you know, designated them as the apostles, he spent all night in prayer with the Father before he made that choice. So there are decisions that we have to make in life that we're seeking the Lord on or, you know, so there are various reasons why we might go into it, but I think that there are some core things that lie behind that, humbling ourselves before God, seeking God in something, not trying to move the hand of God, but trying to ascertain the will of God. See, that's so, that's the question I had, where if you, like, is it something that say you, like, okay, <laughs> can get it <laughs> like it's it's not gonna it's not like used to sway god like you're not getting a better yes. look from him because right. you fasted before you requested something or say you are going into a cert like you're going into a job interview and you really want it to go well and you're like i'm gonna just take the day to fast and pray and maybe you can take the day to fast and pray to just like hey god i want you to i want to yeah. really really walk into this interview in unity, harmony with you, remove everything else out of the way, any other distractions that there may be, and walk yeah. into this with the right head. But it's not like, okay, God, I think that you're going to give me the job. You'll be more likely to give me the job if I make a sacrifice such as fasting. Yes. Yep. Okay. Which okay. was the next stuff of material I was going to send to you on fasting and faith. On fasting and faith? Yeah. Okay, okay. And maybe we, and we can hop back and that's the thing. We can hop back into this a little more next week too as well cuz I feel like I want to the, the nice thing is that this stuff doesn't at least for me and I don't know if I could speak for you or whatever because you're pretty much I mean you're like statue of David. You're completed work. Um but uh I have to No, no, I have to think of these things. I have to think about these things in my week, you know, cuz I still have to like work through and put it I know that you just you wake up knowing. But I don't yes. know. I really don't right. know. And so I'm going to be thinking about fasting for the next few weeks and so I'm sure it'll start to turn up more in our conversation on the podcast. So this isn't going to be the the one-time conversation about fasting. Um but do Say it is somebody's first time that they want to try to fast and they're just like, maybe they either feel there is like, they want to grieve sin in their life. Say there's been something that they've done that they really regret and they want to like, it's a good time to just choose to, I don't know. It seems like there's two, there's two real benefits to it. One is you're making a sacrifice for God where you're like, listen, God, I have done something that I am very distraught about and I feel like it has put a wedge between the two of us. I have put distance between the two of us because of my sin. 
And so I want to take the time to sacrifice all pleasures, all anything that, that, that I enjoy in my day and just focus solely on you and allow that so that we can bring back, bring us back together, you know, and not that you have to do that to do that. Obviously I've sinned many times and how you feel that distance a little bit right after because you, you, you know, you just, yeah, broke but as the long as you in. understand, you're not, you're not providing some kind of atonement you know or mm. well mm. if i abstain this much because you know maybe it'll cancel that that out cuz it was already no. you've been atoned at the cross so that yeah. part of it is handled so you've you've appropriated that through your confession of sin and acknowledging mm. before god but it is an aspect of wanting to draw closer to god and and be nearer to god and not wanting to have those desires or whatever it may be right become a hindrance again Mm. Because sin puts a wedge between ourselves and God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it could be a time for just clarifying focus, perspective, right? Drawing near to God and yeah, then that's fine. And then and then the other one that I, that I could tell, at least from the bits that I was reading and also Yeah, especially from the bits that I was reading, um was that it's also just like a, a good practice to do like and and this is where i kind of had the thought of maybe it's something that you should do on like a consistent basis like at least once a month i fast or something along those lines where and i but then i read the line that was talking about not making it a ritualistic just like routine thing almost because yeah. then sometimes the reason you're doing it is because well it's this day and so i do it on this day so let's do it because this is what i've agreed to do and it's like, yeah. but it's, you've lost the importance of what you're doing and why you're giving things up. And, but it is this like really, really good practice where you can become trained to just say no to things that yeah. you like, to be able to sacrifice what the flesh wants for the spirit. And there was a quote that I read that was, um, uh, that, that you'd sent me, which is prayer is the one hand with which we grasp the invisible fasting yeah. is the other with which we let loose and cast away the visible yeah which is such a beautiful pairing because it seemed like there was no but you don't have fasting without prayer and so yeah. prayer is where it allows you to reach out to god and to speak to the invisible and then fasting is just this extra layer which to really really be able to fully reach and like not be tethered down to anything else is just to completely let go of anything other than the spiritual and just be focused solely on that yeah hence the drawing near to god right i mean mm. it's like it's it's letting go of anything that might be a hindrance or hold you back or right yeah and then i mean that's kind of the thing that i've just i feel that's like that's kind of the problem with stuff you know it's like we take it's again we take good things and we make them ultimates we take something and say okay i'm gonna do it on a regular basis which is good not, not a problem with that but it becomes like with the pharisees ritualistic it's what you do right and it becomes something that has lost its significance then it's just what you do it's it, it becomes like a tradition it becomes right just something that is 
so habitual that you don't even think about the significance of it anymore it's just you do it and so that's the unfortunate side of it so if you can you know find a balance in there of doing it on a regular basis without it becoming something that's you know well i i it was interesting because my church that i'm going to they they said a very almost similar thing about about um tithing and Mm. they're like listen like this is a this is a moment for you to honor God with your money and to do it for the right reasons, do it with the right heart. No, like you should know why you're doing this. And they're like, I know some of us, like they offer electronic payment where like that you can set a monthly amount that it just immediately comes out on a certain date or whatever, you know? And they're like, that's great that you, that you have the ability to do that, but don't, don't like forget. Like, it's not just like a, yeah, it's just like any other subscription you're paying for where it's just, it just takes it out. Like, yeah. there is the intentionalness that you need to have when you are giving. Cause just to do for the sake of doing the act itself, it's like, yeah, you don't, that's not doing, you're not, it's not like you're buying your way into heaven or you have to pay the subscription for God. But you, you want to be giving. You want to give back to ministry so that you can take care of the people that are out there actively spreading the word of God and doing these things. And it is a sacrifice of the first fruits and just a show of like thankfulness to God for what he has given you. And so sometimes you can just get into that mindset where it just happens. Like it just, the money goes out and you don't think twice about it and you, it loses what it was supposed to be. It becomes yeah. just another thing. Have you ever thought about fasting with, now, obviously, they have the one when the marital situation, but like, say, fasting with a group of people. I know that, like, there's been times with references in that the, the document you sent me where it yeah. was like people saying, hey, we're all going to fast for the next X amount of days and pray about this thing that's coming up or that's happening. So then you yeah, always have that's, this group. That's fast. not typical. That's just, a, that's usually, I mean, in that case, right? That's from Esther, right? That was an important meeting that needed to happen. And so in that case, yeah, there was like this, you know, group decision say, hey, we're going to do this collectively. But that's not that's not typical. Now, and, and that's the best often it's going to be more often than not doing it just a one on one between you and God. But do you think there is anything wrong with, say, there is something that you and another person are both going to do and you both want to make sure that you guys are at the right place mentally and spiritually before you go into making these decisions together that yeah. then take the time? Hey, we should just suggest like, hey, maybe we should sit down and do this. Like, I think this is something I might do in my personal life. Is this thing you would you would want to do as well? Just that we make sure yeah. that we are really where we should be. Do you think there's anything inherently yeah. wrong with that? No. Uh-uh. But just majority of the time when you think about fasting, it is a sacrifice just between you being made to God and just for the sake yeah. of you personally being able to grow closer to him. But it's something that they should all agree on. Mm, okay. It's not something that should be forced, right? They all say, yeah, let's, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Because if they're not for it, if they're not into it, then they're not going into it with the right heart. It's just like a challenge now that you've put the group to have to try to do, and they're not doing it for the sake of developing exactly. deeper their their connection with God. Yeah. And, and I think that that's why I had started to have the thought of, like, maybe I want to fast on, like, a weekly basis, like a day a week fast from certain things or whatever. And uh, I've, I've just since stepped away from that idea, not because it's too hard, um, but uh, 
But I was just like, I think that when you're in that practice of just saying no to things on like a daily basis, like say you drink coffee. I don't think there's anything wrong with having coffee every morning before you go to work. Like there's just, it's fine. But if you know that like, hey, I in order to say yes, I need to be able to say no, or I'm becoming enslaved to this thing. So it's just like certain mornings, just be like, you know what? I Just a day, two days out of the week, I just don't have coffee in the morning. Because I just want to make sure that you can to know that I can, you know, that I can still stay detached from this thing. I don't have to have this thing. And it's and it's honestly the more that I've started to implement that in all areas of my life, like the enjoyment that I have for those things, because I feel so very much more detached from them. Like it used to be that stuff that I liked, I would come home from work and I would have the thought of like. Oh, dude, I just, I, as soon as you walk in the door, you're thinking about food or you're thinking about getting something to drink or you're thinking about yeah. whatever. It's like, oh, I know we got a cold beer in the fridge. Like, ah, oh, I really want to just sit down and have that. And the more and more that I just make a consistent habit of just not having the things I love, even when they, or, or like, or enjoy or whatever, when they are there and, you know, God has blessed me with the money to be able to afford a lot of the things that I like. Um, yeah. just choosing regularly not to have them. And it gives you such an amazing, it feels so good. Cause then it's, it's not just withstanding. So then when you have it, it feels even more special, but because you become not detached to it, that like, you just let it be what it is. I'm not hoping for this coffee in the morning to be a pick me up to make the day feel better. I just am going to enjoy this coffee as a delicious, oh boy, delicious beverage. And that's all it is. And I'm going to yeah. like it. And, and even if it's not as good as I thought, maybe I try a new one. And I'm like, ah, I don't love this one as much. But it doesn't tank my day because I'm like, oh, but this was, I was, I was, this coffee was supposed to be the thing to help me get through the first half of my day at work. And now I don't even like this coffee. So, like, maybe I should go out and get a different drink from somewhere else because this isn't going to, like, do the trick for me. And, and so then you get into that mentality and you just ruin good things. That's all you're doing is just ruining good things for yourself. Yeah. You should be able to take it or leave it. And I feel like that's probably a bit, at least in, for me personally, like that is probably just a good practice. It's it's not technically, I guess, fasting, but it is still just choosing to withstand from things that you can have on a, yeah. on a just a consistent basis all throughout the week. Just, yeah, okay, I, maybe I had this yesterday, and inherently there isn't anything wrong with me having it today, but I'm just going to say no just because I want to make sure that I can say no and continue to say no and continue to just be like, no, I am not relying on the things that affect the flesh. I'm relying on the spirit and I'm going to be able to walk through this day with the exact, just as good of a mood, just as diligent in my tasks, just as focused when I have it as when I don't have it. Yeah, for sure. But now now I kind of want to like, I feel like I want to stay, the idea of actually doing an actual fast seems very, not like cool, but kind of cool. You know what I mean? It kind of sounds pretty, yeah. sounds pretty cool. And uh, do you think that there is an amount of days that you'd recommend if someone was wanting to start and say like, hey, listen, I just want to fast for X amount. Do you think there's a, maybe an amount of days where it's like, hey, don't just start with a week. Don't be like, you know what? I'm fasting for a week. Only water. Oh, One week straight. Like two or three days just say for two or three days i'm gonna do this and how do you feel about a day singular do you think it's not enough yeah I, it just depends on what you, what you're doing if it's just simply you know 
I mean, part of it will be just based on why you're doing it. Mm. I would say actually a large part of why you're doing it, you know, but one day is fine. It's not, I mean, there's no set requirement as to how long you have to or should or last. Okay. It just, it just depends. Hmm. But that's why it's just between you and the Lord, because there, there, only you know why you're doing it. It's almost, it almost reminds me of like, I mean, it's kind of like the same as when you sit down for time in the word where it can be any length of time. It could be, sometimes I have literally three minutes. I'm about to leave somewhere and I would just like to sit down and read through, like just read two or three verses and just kind of, so I have them in my head so I can kind of be, say them to myself, pray a little just before I go out, you know, maybe like five minutes or whatever I have. Um, but then having the rest of the time, like there's no set time. I just sit down to it and I, I feel like it's, it's kind of just determined on when you feel done with it or you feel like you're like, I've, after I got home from work, maybe I feel a little more on edge, a little more tired, a little more burnt out from the day. And it's like, I might need 45 minutes where yesterday I was down for 20. We were just talking for 20 and maybe I need 40 minutes this time to really, really be able to reset myself and ground myself where I'm fully back focused on him and I'm ready to take on the next part of my day and I'm at the peak place where I'm going to make wise choices before I make any other decisions. But I think when you walk into it with this like mental timer, which I I do so often where I'm like, okay, has it been long enough? Like, I was like, well, I didn't finish the whole chapter. Do I have to, I should probably finish the whole chapter. And then I'm like, maybe I should read a second chapter because I was thinking about only reading one chapter. And so I don't wanna, so maybe I should read two chapters to make sure that I read enough so that I can feel good about getting my time done. And, and yeah, it's just, but that I'll, but you also remember that there's going to be times where you need to sit down and actually dig in and study. So I mean, you know, there's going to be that time where you you sit down and actually give yourself to searching the scriptures and you know putting some time into it. So it's like you know. But it doesn't have to be like there's a scheduled amount of days. But that's why I look at Psalm 119, right? Seven times a day, nighttime, daytime, right? Mm -hmm. Through the day, that kind of thing. It's like you can be meditating on the Word all the time by just, you know, having those moments where you just take five minutes here, read, and, you know, just so you get some verses in your head so you can think about them and that kind of thing. But there should always be something that you're studying through Mm -hmm. that you're constantly, you know, coming back around to mentally and, and chewing on where you're being taken deeper in your time in the word. But, you know, those things will get more stretched out. It's like, you you don't necessarily like going to sit down every day and dig in. Yeah. You might have days where, but you definitely need to have that time though. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's, and that's where it really comes again. It's, it's just like walking by the spirit and like really trusting the spirit to tell you and to show you, Hey, like there's more work to be done here. Like you need, you're not ready to go out and do anything else. You're not at a place yet where you should get up from time in the word and in prayer because you still have a few things that you need to let go of and you need to lay down at the, at God's feet and let him handle it. And you haven't done that yet. 
So before yeah. you go out to talk to your friends or to hang out with whoever, to do whatever else is happening in your day, there's still more time that needs to be spent here. And so walking into it where you're like, listen, I'm just, I, I just want to be in my mind, I've mentally cleared the calendar for the rest of the evening or the rest of the whatever. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to do this for as long as it feels like I should be here doing this. And, um, and you know, once you're done reading, I feel like sometimes I have a set, like a, uh, I have the habit of just like almost saying, amen, like actually verbally saying, amen. And like, okay, thank you, God. Like, amen. Now I'm done. And it's like, I don't even know if I should say amen. Because I probably should just talk to you as soon as I get out out of this room and I go out to go make myself a sandwich. Like, I should probably still keep talking to you. So, like, our time isn't really done yet. But maybe this portion of reading and studying is done. And I've, I've accomplished what I needed to accomplish. And I feel like you have shown yourself to me and revealed things to me that I needed to see. And now it's time for me to move into the next part of my day. But... Still, like, just being open to, it's not like, oh, 30 minutes. I did 30 minutes, and I can feel good that I did 30 minutes. Yeah, because, I mean, there's always that that realization of continual connection that you have with the Lord. And so you're talking to him throughout the day. Mm -hmm. It's not just limited to those moments where you do, but at the same time, oftentimes those moments are more concentrated right i mean that's where your focus no distractions nothing getting in the way it's just between you and god and that's where you really get down and focus on his word focus on him spend time in prayer but then you have the rest of the day where you can just talk to him intermittently right because we're supposed to pray without ceasing so there's you know all the other times during the day where we just talk to him you know yeah and maybe I'm going to have to cut off here because I think I'm, my earbud's turning off. I lost one. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say it's it's about time to wrap it up. We're almost at two hours anyway, which is the longest podcast we've done yet. That's what happens when you get the two of us talking about food. It just kind of we start rolling <laughs> yeah, one into the next. It's hard to get us to stop. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, listen, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I hope that our food takes our, I hope we've given you both biblical insight and also culinary insight, because there's a lot of you guys out there that you haven't even realized the beautiful thing that is spam, a thing that you will never, like, from what I can tell, you're not going to have it on the new earth. Spam is not going to be a part of our diet. So get it now because it's pretty good. And I'd I'd recommend, you know, so are there any uh, final words that you would like to say to close out this episode? My dearest father. Yes. Spam is not manna from heaven, but it is. It's good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It would make the top tier gift lists of gifts from God. Um, you know, go family. I thank him before I eat it for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm having a, an extra long prayer section just dedicated to my thankfulness for spam. But at the same time, I would say, may God help us whatever you eat it. <laughs> if you're eating spam in your week, you may need to fast for other reasons, possibly, yeah. and just you know, exactly. withstand from other food because. <laughs> Alright guys, well thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Hope to see you guys next time with some more wonderful conversation and beautiful biblical insight from my, um, you know, stupendous father. 
pastor, reverend. Insightful son. Remember, guys, don't. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I remember, guys. I feel like there's something to say here, and I just don't know what to, what to say. Don't ever. Here we go. Don't ever. Listen. Don't ever let anyone tell you that turkey bacon is better than real bacon. <laughs> and remember... My father. This is your part. This is my part. This is your part. I just said, and remember. May God help us. May God help us. There we go. There we go, baby.